0: and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message.
1: God has been good. I I cannot believe we are at the last Sunday, but God has been good. We've gone through various ups and downs, but God has still been good, amen, church? Many families in our church have bereaving uh, and grieving the loss of their loved ones. And church, I'm just so grateful that we came together with so many families and we helped them during that time of need. Um, and continue to pray for those families. Um, one of the stunning moments for me um, over the last two weeks was the passing of Pastor P.S. Philip. Um, he's an Assemblies of God minister, served in various ways in the Assemblies of God. He's a powerful, dear man of God. But more than that, uh, our family knew him personally. He stayed at our house almost once a year um, for many, many years he would always come in the summer months, you know, to preach at conventions. So he was always at our house right before our school started. So it was around August, and um, Pastor Pius Philip would lay his hands upon me and my younger brother, and he would bless us before the school year started. Even at a young age, I knew it was not my own intellect or my own or my own smarts that got me through schools, because they were praying men and women of God like Pastor P.S. Philip. He was also the man that baptized my brother and I uh, when we were young before we went to college. And so for those reasons, I wanted to thank God for him this morning and to respect the man of God. He will be dearly missed. Um, And like all of those that have passed away in our church, even though we grieve, we grieve with hope because we know one day, one day, we're going to see them all together soon. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that, church, that we're going to one day see all our loved ones again? Amen. Church, we are in a series entitled, He Shall Be Called. Pastor helped us see um, and understand the terms wonderful counselor and mighty God. It was an incredible juxtaposition of those two names because we have a fragile baby and we have a suffering savior, which leads us to great comfort and great victory. Then Pastor Freddie helped us examine the powerful name, Everlasting Father. Indeed, Christ gives and forgives even better than our earthly fathers. Amen? This morning, let's turn our attention back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I would like to address the term Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It reads, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There are so many ways that I would like to address this topic. It is a vast topic about peace. Perhaps this morning I may, I may be taking us through a difficult journey. To understand peace. But I think at the end of it, God will engender inside of you great comfort and great hope this morning. Amen, church? We live in a world where each of us, each of us sitting here, we all carry great anxiety and worry in our life. And we carry it in a very personal way. We are praying for things in our life and hoping and asking God for answers. So in many ways, we need specific peace in our life our specific situations but we also live in a world full of division fear racism strife there are words being flung across the web and the newscast and the media in a very social way so even if things are good with you personally there are things going on in society that are totally full of unrest we need social peace But we also live in a world full of darkness, deception, run by the evil schemes of Satan himself. He is always disrupting, always deceiving, always breaking God's good things. So not only do we need specific peace or social peace, but we really need a spiritual peace to come upon us. So I argue this morning that no one can hold the title of Prince of Peace unless they can bring peace at every one of these levels. Amen? Who can do that? Who can bring peace, specific peace, societal peace, spiritual peace? I believe this morning, church, that Christ and Christ alone can do that. In order for us to examine this, I'm going to take you through every Advent story. I know this is going to be a rough ride, so open up your Bible. I'm going to take you to several places. I usually like to keep you in one place, But this morning, get Bible reference ready. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1 and 2. We're going to Mark chapter 1. We're going to Luke chapter 1 and 2. We're going to John chapter 1. If you didn't hear anything I said, just go to the very beginning of every gospel, and you'll be ready to go. Amen? Each of these, each of these gospels share about the advent of Christ in a very peculiar way. And each teach us about peace. When I was a small child, I was incredibly Full of stage fright. Uh, What am I saying? I'm already, I'm still full of stage fright. One morning, I remember in the first grade, in my private school, it was time for chapel. Chapel was for kindergarten through sixth grade in this hall. My teacher looked at me. I'm a first grader. And she told me, you're going to read the Bible story this morning at chapel. At that moment, I thought I was going to fall down. I believe the story was about Joseph and his dreams, how God is in control of our life. And I thought to God, God, please control my life right now. Tell this teacher to stop asking me to read. I was incredibly nervous. I remember her walking with me to the chapel room. My legs and arms were shivering. Then my teacher walked me to the stage, and I don't know what happened. I started crying. Not because of the Holy Spirit, but just crying in general. As a first grader would, and you won't believe what happened next. I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but I proceeded to vomit all over the place. My teacher was shocked. I was spewing vomit. And she immediately helped me off the stage, and uh, the rest was a blur. I don't know what happened next, but somehow my mom came to the school, and she picked me up, and she proceeded to say, shame, shame, shame. I was nervous. I was I was, there was no peace in my heart. And my mom, after telling me shame, encouraged me and told me, that I need to trust God in moments where I'm afraid. I need to trust God in moments of anxiety. Because even as a first grader, my mom said, God is going to use you on a stage. So you need to prepare yourself. I realized that it may not be peaceful for me to walk up here and stand in front of people. But I know my God will make peace. As I obey him, even in unpeaceful situations. Do you know, church, that the main idea that I want to share with you this morning is peacemaking is often not peaceful, but he is still prince. Peacemaking is often not very peaceful, but he is still prince. Amen? There are three points I would like to make this morning. From Matthew and Luke, Jesus is prince of specific peace. In Mark, Jesus is prince of societal peace. And in John, we, it is revealed that he is prince of spiritual peace. Church, I know many of you are longing for this peace in your life. Me too. Even this morning, I'm still longing for peace in my life. So what I'm about to teach you this morning is not a Christmas truth. It is a critical truth for our world, our church, and in our lives. We desperately need peace, amen? Amen. Will you open up your heart and receive this peace this morning? First, let's turn to Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. You can keep them both open. Both of these authors are teaching us about specific peace. Advent, according to Matthew and Luke, they both paint the picture of Jesus' birth. They talk about a young, unknown, engaged couple living in the outskirts of Judea, namely in a town called Nazareth. This small, this village is very small. It is not wealthy, it is not well known. It's like if we lived in pleasant grove. Everybody there is somewhat suspicious of everybody else, but everybody knows everybody. Kind of like in the Malay- Malayali community. It's somewhat of a conservative town, but there are some dark park- pockets of evil all throughout the town. Here. God shows up, both in Matthew 1, and, Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. God shows up in a marvelous way to this unknown couple and totally interrupts their life. Joseph and Mary were supposed to have a normal, good life. Then God shows up and causes chaos in their life. Essentially, from the outside looking in, if you were living in that town, uncle and auntie, young person, if you were living in that town, I know what you would say about this couple. This couple looks like they are having a premarital unplanned pregnancy, and both of them are running around saying that God did it. <laughs> could you imagine that? God did that? Hmm. Are they insane? Are they immoral? The stigma of a pregnancy could not be good for their personal life. If there was Instagram then, think of what we would be saying. Scandal sinful, outcasts. Why did God do this? Why did God bring total upheaval and chaos to their quiet personal life? Because God is making peace happen. He is more concerned in making peace on earth than simply keeping the peace. You see, dear dear church family, we often go through difficulty in our life Because he is making peace around us. And oftentimes that does not feel peaceful. But he is showing you that he is prince of peace. What are you facing today? Does it seem chaotic? Does it seem like everything you're planning is just falling apart? Does it feel like chaos? Do you trust the prince of peace in the midst of your storm? Do you trust the prince of peace? That he is purposely guiding you through difficult times for his glory For his glory. As we think about this past year, we were coming out of that 2020 pandemic. Man, I was worshiping right here at Watch Night. I was like, goodbye 2020. Hello, Jesus. And then I realized the pandemic didn't observe Watch Night. It kept going. And then all of a sudden, an ice storm of huge proportions comes to Texas. Our church felt battered and bruised, pandemic causing so much anxiety. The ice storm quite literally broke apart our church. I remember walking into the sanctuary with other brothers of the church and I surveyed the damage and I thought, God, I just want some peace. How are we gonna get through this? People are discouraged, discontent, and now our building needs repair. How long can people be on Zoom? I'm a pastor at the church and I can't stand Zoom. I want peace, Lord. I just want to be a pastor in normal times, no pandemics, no storms. But the Father began to speak at that moment, just like the forming of a new star or a new baby is full of forceful chaotic power growing things are coming apart things are coming together because god is making something new and at that point the lord said i'm not building a building i'm building a people get ready oftentimes when god wants to make peace it feels like chaos in our life but he is still prince you see church often we need a storm So that Jesus can walk inside of it and say, peace. Oftentimes, we need a raging sea so that our Lord will walk upon the raging sea and bring peace. Oftentimes, we need a crucifixion so that our God can rise from the dead and say, peace be with you. Don't pray for peacekeeping. Don't pray for peacekeeping. Just simply keeping the peace, not saying anything, no fighting, nothing. That's not actually peace. But pray for God to make peace happen. Make it happen in difficulty and chaos. Because peacekeeping is under our control. Peacemaking is under God's control. And I call you, church, to be peacemakers. Peacemakers even in the specific areas of your life. Church, would you be like Mary this morning and say, Be it unto me according to your word, O oh Lord. Even if it's chaos, I follow you because you are prince of peace. Amen? Amen, church? The second thing is this. He is prince of societal peace. Now turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark, you know, most most, uh, seminarians and scholars say, I mean, he doesn't have an Advent story. It's true. Not much is said in Mark 1. He has an interesting way of talking about Jesus' arrival on earth. He skips most of the birth story. And he encapsulated in Mark chapter 1 in one statement This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark gets straight to the heart with such brevity and power with just one pen stroke. He uses the word gospel. What does that mean? It's not a word that Christians came up with. Gospel comes from the Roman Empire. What does gospel mean? It means good news. What does that mean? Good news for Rome, when Caesar, the god of Rome, when he would go out into battle, when it was his birthday, when the kingdom of Rome expanded, they sent a gospel all throughout the empire, and that gospel message was Pax Romana, the peace of Rome comes to you. Every time a battle was won, every time uh, uh, it was his birthday, every time the kingdom expanded, They sent out the gospel in the hands of heralds, the gospel of Rome. So Mark says, you know what? I'm going to take that very same word that they are using for Caesar, and I'm going to say, gospel of Jesus Christ comes to you. What is this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why? Why is it good news, Mark? Good news because a king has been born. Peace on earth. Good news, because this king is going to die, but he's going to rise again from the dead. Good news, this king will vanquish evil. Good news, his kingdom will never come to an end. What is Mark trying to say? That a king is born, and that's going to change all of society. A king has been born, and it's going to change All of society, if you are near or far, rich or poor, man or woman, rural or in the city, white or a person of color, all of society is going to experience his peace. Why? Because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has come. Matthew shows it clearly. He shows wise men from the far coming to Jesus. He's saying you don't have to be geographically close to Jesus to experience his salvation. The gospel is for all nations near and far. This is what? Religious upheaval. Gentiles from the east, and then you have Pharisees right here at home. They don't understand it, but the wise men understand it. Religious chaos begins to happen. What else happens? King Herod totally upset at the news of Jesus, but the shepherds in the field, rejoice at the news of Jesus. What is this? The powerful and the weak, totally political upheaval at Jesus' birth. Luke shows Zachariah, the high priest, famous, a male of high caste. He does not understand total disbelief. But in contrast, you have Mary, a female, unknown, teenager, poor, that totally believes and obeys. The reader reading this is totally upset because it is an upheaval of social class. Every area of society is an upheaval at Jesus' birth, near and far, powerful and weak, male and female, rich and poor. What is God doing? Is he keeping peace? No, his arrival causes upheaval because our God is in the business of making peace on earth. He desires for all men of every background, all women of every background, no barrier between him and God the Father. Amen. Some of us might want to say, "Pastor, please stop talking." This is the last thing a Ali wants to hear. We love to keep the peace. If it means that if it means that, you know, the wrong things happen, even if it means that sin is happening, just keep your mouth quiet. Keep the peace. Jesus says, I have called you to be peacemakers, and that often leads us into good conflict, into good chaos, so the Spirit of God can make it new again. Peacemaking is not often peaceful, but he is still prince. Church, would you consider your own life? Are you only thinking about your specific peace? Because God wants to use your gifts and talents, your resources to bring about a social peace in our city. Church, look around. There's so much upheaval. Even in our Malayali Pentecostal community, all over the city, upheaval. God, would you make us peacemakers? Let us not try to create empire, but rather create God's peace in the city. Let us go make peace. Amen? Lastly, this. He is not only prince of your specific peace or prince of social peace, he is also the prince of spiritual peace. Now let's turn to John chapter 1. Okay, what is John's <laughs> advent story? If you thought Mark was weird, wait till you hear John. This gets really weird. Young people, get ready for the coolest story ever John chapter 1, prince of spiritual peace. If Mark was confusing, check out John. John's advent story is actually hinted in Gospel of John, but is fully explained in Revelation. I'll show you. In the beginning, Gospel of John, John writes this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John is describing a Jesus way bigger than any of us can understand. He is almost like a cosmic Jesus. He is the Logos. He is the Word, the breath of God. He is the driving force of all of creation the planets the universe are created by Jesus the power the energy the matter that makes up everything is Jesus himself this is who Jesus is he is the divine reason and the creative power why me and you even exist so if this is John's view of Jesus how would he ever talk about his advent He would have to talk about it on the same level. Where is that located? Last place I'm going to tell you, turn your Bible, forgive me, Revelation 12. Revelation 12. This is John. Remember, John wrote John, and he also wrote Revelation. He decided to put his Advent story in Revelation. The rest of the authors put him in different places. In Revelation 12, here we can see the birth of Jesus, the advent of Jesus from a perspective of heaven. Revelation chapter 12. As you turn there, I'm gonna tell you the story. There we see a beautiful woman, clothed with the sun. She is pregnant, crying out, ready to give birth, under great pain, about to deliver. Okay, cool so far. Then all of a sudden, a treacherous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns shows up and comes before the woman, positions itself, ready to devour the child. Upon its birth, this child was known as what? The one who will rule all nations with an iron scepter. The moment of the child's birth, all of a sudden that child was swept up into heaven, away from the dragon, up into the heavens, into the throne room. And then Michael and the angels came to war against this dragon and his fallen angels, and that dragon was defeated. And they began to sing, now all salvation and power and the kingdom of God has come. Have you ever seen a nativity scene like that? <laughs> Could you imagine putting that in your front yard? Pregnant woman, ten-headed dragon, I mean seven-headed dragon, Michael in the air. Angel. I mean, that, no one would like you in your neighborhood. But John is trying to describe something. Yes, Jesus does bring specific peace to you. Yes, Jesus will bring societal peace. Yes, But Jesus is so much bigger than that. Jesus is bringing a supernatural, spiritual peace that will connect all of mankind and creation back to God. Peacemaking required that Jesus was to be born with a great dragon ready to devour him. But a war started, and that defeated Satan. Friends, (laughs) reading that story, none of that seems very peaceful. I'm glad we have a children's church. Hearing that story feels less like peace. But God is not interested in just keeping peace. He has come from heaven to destroy the plans of the enemy, to disrupt every tactic of the enemy. And often peacemaking is not peaceful. But I guarantee you one thing, Jesus Christ is prince over it all. Church, why do I share this with you? I share this with you is because we need to understand that we are a victorious people. Oftentimes, we forget that God has already won. It is already finished. No matter what temporary issues you go through in life, no matter what heartache you face in life, you know that Jesus has won. He is victorious. The schemes of the enemy, the tactics of the enemy have been destroyed in the name of Jesus. This is what brings us ultimate peace. You know, if you're going through a personal problem in life, you could turn to a neighbor and maybe they can give you some peace. A little bit of peace on a personal way. You might be seeing social unrest and you put your hope in a president. Oh, that president will bring some peace. So my neighbor can bring peace. My president can bring some peace. But who will bring peace between the universe and God? Only person that can have a title, Prince of Peace, is the person that can give me specific peace in my life, the person that can bring social peace in our world, and the person that can bring supernatural, spiritual peace between us and God. That's who Jesus Christ is this morning. That is who Jesus Christ is this morning, the Prince of Peace. I pray that the peace of Jesus Christ would now reign and rule over every heart this morning in the name of Jesus. Not a peace just to get us through the day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! May the, let the peace of Jesus Christ reign and rule in your hearts right now. Not a peace just to get you through today. Not just a peace that'll help you get through the end of the year, but a peace that passeth all understanding to come upon your life. Oftentimes we say the phrase, peace that passeth all understanding. You can only say that when that peace is beyond your understanding. So church, would you stand to your feet as we get ready to worship? I'm going to invite Pastor Auntie to come up here, and she's going to pray over us. Pray for us to experience peace in this time. So church, would you stand to your feet, and let's get ready to worship. Let's get ready to pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's podcast If there is anything we can do To continue equipping you In your pursuit to be like Jesus Then please do not hesitate To reach out to us on our website At metrochurch.us Also, if you found today's message To be inspiring and informative Then please share it with your family and friends And leave a review on this podcast platform Or on our website Again, thank you for joining us We are so grateful for you Have a great week and God bless you and your family.